Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. We're back in the book of Ezra today. We are looking at chapter 7 and 8. In chapter 7, Ezra, we're now introducing Ezra in the book of Ezra. So we haven't been talking about Ezra. The temple has been finished, but really this was uh, from the first wave of people that that returned. It was about 50,000 people uh, made it back in the first wave. They built the temple. Now... Now we're coming to chapter um, 7, which is 57 years later. 57 years later after the first wave. So Ezra now is going to be introduced as a priest. And his lineage goes back to Aaron, the chief priest, the brother of Moses. So Ezra's got a pretty strong lineage um, uh, right back to Moses he uh, and he comes again. This is fifty-seven years after the people first, you know, returned back to the land. The temple's been built, and now he comes in the reign of Artaxerxes. This is a new king of Persia. Okay, in the seventh year, looks like in the seventh year of his reign. So um, Ezra. The, the thing about Ezra is, is he's a scribe. He knows the law. He's a scribe skilled in the law of Moses. And as my study Bible points out, there's no doubt God raised him up as a scribe with expert knowledge of the law because after 70 years in exile, the people badly needed instruction in how to live according to the law of Moses. So Ezra uh, apparently has asked permission for the king to come back to Jerusalem. He wants to join his folks over there. And Artaxerxes is supportive, again, at the prompting of God, who gives favor to Ezra, just like King Cyrus, you know, and then after him, King Darius, you know, gave permission for the people to to leave and then to build a temple. Now, Artaxerxes is given permission for Ezra. And the king granted him all that he asked for, um, for the hand of the, of the Lord his God was on him, according to my study Bible. Uh, he comes with this new wave of migrants. He's got priests with him. He's got Levites and singers and gatekeepers. And so, again, the return of the, the second wave 
uh, you know, didn't happen all at once. And so that's kind of what we see in chapter 7. In chapter 8, Ezra, we get a little bit of flavor of Ezra coming back to Jerusalem with this new wave of returnees bearing royal gifts for the temple. And we see how he recruited additional priests and he prays for the journey. And I'll be interested to see how he prays because we have a journey in life to, to also, and when we're up and when we're out and about having to depend, living off the land, having to depend on God, we need to pray too. So with that being said, let's jump in chapter 7. This is 57 years later after the return of the exiles to Jerusalem. Chapter 7, verse 1, now after this, in the reign of Artaxerxes, king of Persia, Ezra, son of Shariah and Azariah, son of Hilkiah, uh, son of Shalem, son of Zadok, and of Atub, son of Amariah, son of Azariah, son of Macolith, I can't pronounce all these names, son of Zerariah, son of Uzi, son of Buki, son of <laughs> Ashbushaz. I'm mutilating these names. Son of Phineas, son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, chief priest. So I had to struggle to get back to Aaron. So that's his lineage. So this Ezra went up from Babylon, Babylonia. He was a scribe skilled in the law of Moses. that the Lord, the God of Israel, had given. And the king granted him all that he had asked, for the hand of the Lord was on him. Okay, so you get Aaron, this, this, this complete lineage back to Aaron, and God had given him this skill in studying the law of Moses. So, you know, the people are going to need to be taught again because this, this this group of people, you know, everything that Moses had had uh, given the people, um, they've been lost. So McGee has made the point that he thinks Ezra is maybe um, the number two prophet after Moses, maybe because he's he's doing what Moses did originally. Now, chap, uh, verse ten for Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. Isn't that interesting? That, you know, he wasn't just studying the law. He was putting it into practice and he was teaching it to others. And that's what we're supposed to do with it. It's not enough for us just to, to read our Bibles every day. We have to put it into practice and then we have to tell somebody else about it to teach it to somebody else. So that's what Ezra was doing. And that's what makes Ezra such a standout as a prophet. Everybody considers Ezra a minor prophet, but McGee considers him a major prophet. Now, verse 11, this is a copy of the letter that King Artaxerxes gave to Ezra the priest, the scribe, a man learned learned in the matters uh, of the commandments of the Lord and his statutes for Israel. 
Verse 12, Artaxerxes, king of kings, to Ezra the priest, the scribe of the law of the God of heaven, peace. And now I make a decree that any one of the people of Israel or their priests or Levites in my kingdom who freely offers to go to Jerusalem may go with you. Boom, this is big. God is working in his heart for sure. For you are sent by the king and his seven counselors to make inquiries about Judah and Jerusalem according to the law of your God, which is in your hand. And also carry the silver and the gold that the king and his counselors have freely offered to the God of Israel, whose dwelling is in Jerusalem. All right, so Ezra is going with the blessing of the king of Persia, and the king of Persia is bringing gifts to the God of Israel. You know, God is working in all these Persian kings' hearts. 21, verse 21, And I, Artaxerxes, the king, make a decree to all the treasurers in the province beyond the river. This is, beyond the river means Israel. Whatever Ezra the priest, the scribe of the law of the God of heaven, requires of you, let it be done with all diligence. In other words, give him everything he needs. Verse 26, whoever will not obey the law of your God and the law of the king, let judgment be strictly executed on him, whether for death or for banishment or for confiscation of his goods or for imprisonment. So in other words, Ezra was given the, the authority to um, appoint magistrates and judges who may judge the people. And Artaxerxes is saying, you know what? They can not only judge, but execute the judgment. Verse 27, Blessed be the Lord, the God of our fathers, who put such things as this into the heart of the king, to beautify the house of the Lord that is in Jerusalem. And who extended to me his steadfast love before the king, and his counselors before all the king's mighty officers, I took courage for the hand of the Lord my God was on me, and I gathered leading men from Israel to go up with me. So the author of the book of Ezra here is saying, praise God who put these things into the heart of the king so that we could beautify the house of the Lord and gave me his steadfast love and I took courage. So Ezra's, you know, just praising God for this ability to do this. Now, we come to chapter 8. This is Ezra's journey to Jerusalem with this new wave of returnees bearing royal gifts for the temple. And he takes a bunch of people with him. McGee drops down to verse 21. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him a safe journey for ourselves, our children, and all our goods. Verse 22, 4. I was ashamed to ask the king for a band of soldiers and horsemen to protect us against the enemy on our way since we had told the king. Quote, the hand of our God 
is for good on all who seek him, and the power of his wrath is against all who forsake him. Verse 23, so we fasted and implored our God for this, and he listened to our entreaty. So Ezra is not asking for the king's protection. He's asking for God's protection. He's trusting in God. Tremendous faith here. It would have been so easy to ask for protection from the king because the king would have given him, given him anything he asked for. Verse 31, Then we departed from the river Ahava on the twelfth day of the first month to go to Jerusalem. The hand of our God was on us, and he delivered us from the hand of the enemy and from the ambushes, by the way. So they were in danger, and they were attacked. We came to Jerusalem, and there we remained three days. And we drop down to verse 35. At that time, those who had come from captivity, the returned exiles, offered burnt offerings to the God of Israel. Twelve bulls for all Israel, ninety-six rams, seventy-seven lambs, and as a sin offering, twelve male goats. All this was a burnt offering to the Lord. So, Ezra and his entourage make it back to Jerusalem. But you know what? They make it back trusting God through prayer and fasting and trust and faith. This is a man who studies the law and he puts it into practice and he's doing it to teach others as well. So, tremendous lessons for us to do in our lives, in our journeys. We need to pray for God's protection rather than our own wisdom in our own strength. So we'll stop here. We'll turn the rest of the podcast over to our co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, hope you're doing great. Look forward to hearing your study on this today. And as always, from me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your hearts centered on Christ on this great spiritual battlefield. And we'll see you next time as we continue our study through the book of Ezra. And as always, as a reminder, because today's Friday, we'll take a break for the weekend. And then we'll be back on Monday, continuing our study through the book of Ezra. And as always, our prayers go up for sweet Emma and sweet Jean. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from Ezra chapter 7 beginning at verse 1 all the way through to Ezra chapter 8, verses 1 through to verse 36. So we are in the second major division of this book. And in the last six chapters, we had the return from Babylon led by Zerubbabel and about 50,000, yeah, just right under 50,000 somewhere there, returned at that particular time. So they had gone into Babylonian captivity because they had continually gone into idolatry and um, the land had not observed its Sabbaths. That is, every seven years the land was to lie fallow and they disobeyed the Mosaic law. They thought that they were getting by with it. And this went on 
for 490 years and God put them out and now they have returned and it was, you know, way discouraging as we have seen for them in many ways when they returned. You know, it was obviously problem after problem and this was not an encouragement to the others who had not come back because there were others who chose to actually stay back in Babylon. You know, so it wasn't encouraging for, for them to come back to return. Now here we'll see another great revival among the people who had been captives who were still living in Babylon. Now we have a group that's led by Ezra in chapter 8 and 9. We have the return unto Ezra and in chapters 7 and 10 we have the reformation unto Ezra. So revival as experienced by these folk led to reformation and this holds true in even in our situation today. So revival always leads to reformation. Okay, so we'll begin reading. Scripture reads at verse 1, chapter 7. Now after these things, in the reign of Artaxerxes, king of Persia, Ezra, the son of Seraiah, the son of Azariah, the son of Helikiah. So, Artaxerxes gave permission to Nehemiah to to Nehemiah um, to build the walls of Jerusalem. And we'll see this when we get to the book of Nehemiah. So this marks the beginning of the 70 weeks of David, the great prophecy sorry, of Daniel, not David, yeah, uh, 70 weeks of Daniel, the great prophecy. And this is what lends significance to Artaxerxes. Verse 2 goes on to read, the son of Shalom, the son of, we're still in here, we're still looking at um, uh, here, we're still looking at um, Ezra, his lineage. So it goes on to read verse 2, the son of Shalom, the son of Zadok, the son of Ahitab, the son of Amariah, the son of Azariah, the son of Merah, Merai, Oath, something like that. Yeah, the son of Zerah, yeah, the son of Uzi, the son of Uki, the son of Abishua, the son of Phineas, the son of Eliza, the son of Aaron, the chief. Priest. So Ezra is an offspring of Aaron, the great high priest. So he belongs to the priestly line. Had there been a temple in Jerusalem, he would obviously have functioned in it. And would have probably been a high priest. But the temple had been burned and the city destroyed. And now Ezra did not you know, feel like returning with the first delegation as there, you know, was not really a place for him there. So he was 
ministering to those who stayed back. Now a group of about 2,000 are going to return with Ezra back to the land now that the temple is finished and there is a place now for him to minister. Ezra was a teacher of the word of God. We call attention to Phineas here who is the grandson of Aaron and it was in this line of Elisha and Phineas that Ezra came and we have that in Numbers 25. Uh, Balaam couldn't cause a curse Israel but he taught Balak to get his people intermarried with them and this brought the world the flesh and the devil into Israel and there was a man that went out and married um and married a Midianite a Midianite you know the um, people outside the tribe of Israel so the man married a Midianite woman and this man had apparently seen his great sin he had done and there was a judgment that came upon him and Phineas the son of Eliza the son of Aaron took a javelin in his hand and went ahead and executed this man and the woman and this actually seems quite pretty harsh to us you know but the plague that had broken out amongst the people ended so two lives are sacrificed in order to save a lot of lives so judgment should be executed so as to save the lives of many so it has nothing to do with the individual because his life has ended the minute he's executed the judgment was not for him the the original purpose of capital punishment was for the protection of other human lives and when one is not executed then hundreds have to pay with their lives when a traffic offense for instance a traffic officer that is you know um in the traffic okay yeah when a traffic officer writes a ticket to a motorist for speeding it actually shows one um the you know like they write a traffic offense for um a motorist on the highway um it actually slows one down yeah one stops actually over speeding it's gonna slow you down and this is a deter this is a determinant of one's crime actually for this reason in this that day uh, this couple were executed so that multitudes um, in Israel might be saved from the plague in the nation. And that's the, logic, the logical reason for capital punishment. The human heart can be desperately wicked. Who can know it? Not even ourselves. So this is a lesson that Phineas, one of the ancestors of Ezra, had performed. So here, it's just a great spiritual lesson. Um, to actually understand the reason for capital punishment. 
you know, just like the traffic example, if imagine there's no traffic officer and the traffic offense is just ignored, this person just goes and speed in and speed in. So best one person gets punished, then a lot of lives are actually lost because that person in the end might end up causing an accident and killing, uh, you know, a whole lot of people. So it's just important to actually point that out. Like um, the line that Ezra was coming from had, um, there's a line of um, a priestly line of high priests who executed judgment. Verse 6 goes on to read, This Ezra came up from Babylon and he was a skilled scribe in the law of Moses which the Lord God of Israel had given the king, granted him all his requests according to the hand of the Lord his God upon him. So he was a skilled scribe in the law of Moses. Ezra was not able to execute the office of priest, so he spent his time studying the word of God, and now he will use his knowledge and verse 11 and 12 and 21 actually we'll actually see that so he had a reputation a reputation down in babylon typically you know especially with the king he was a scribe of the words of the lord god and he was a teacher in the word of god so let's read verse 11 it says this is a copy of the letter that King Artaxerxes gave Ezra, the priest and the scribe, expert in the words of the commandments of the Lord and of his statutes to Israel. And verse 21 also reads, And I, even I, Artaxerxes, the king, issue a decree to all the treasures who are in the region beyond the river, that whatever Ezra the priest, the scribe of the law of God of heaven may require, you let it be done diligently. So, you know, this is the reputation that, um, you know, Ezra with the king actually um, had. So that's the kind of relationship he had with the king. Okay, so verse 7 goes on to read, Some of the children of Israel, the priests, the Levites, the singers, the gatekeepers, the the Nathinim, came up to Jerusalem in the seventh year of King Artaxerxes. And Ezra came to Jerusalem in the fifth month, which was in the seventh year, of the king verse 9 on the first day of the first month he began his journey from babylon and on the first day of the fifth month he came to jerusalem according to the good hand of his god upon him so it took him almost 15 months oh sorry not 15 months five months to make this trip so he went by foot and it was a long and hard trip, but he actually did it. I mean, there was no um, jets and whatnot back then. Verse 10 goes on to read, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it 
and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. So Ezra had prepared his heart for the day that they would return. He knew it was coming. He had faith in the Lord. So he studied the law of Moses, the book of Joshua, that's the word of God. So this man gave his heart and life to study the word and to do it. And he taught it. So the decree is made by Artaxerxes that Ezra can go up. Verse 11, go on to read. This is a copy of the letter that King Artaxerxes gave Ezra the priest, the scribe expert in the words of the commandments of the Lord and of the statutes of Israel. Artaxerxes, king of kings, to Ezra the priest, a scribe, to, a scribe of the law of God, of the law of the God of heaven, perfect peace, and so forth. Verse 13, I issue a decree that all those of the people of Israel and the priests and Levites in my realm who volunteer to go up to Israel may go with you. Okay, so the commandment of them to return was not a must for them to return. It was voluntary. So if they wanted to, according to their own, um, you know, particular desire and leading of the Lord, they could return. Verse 14, he goes on to read, And whereas you are being sent by the king and his seven counselors to inquire concerning Judah and Jerusalem with regard to the law of your God, which is in your hand. And whereas you are to carry the silver and gold, which the king and his counselors have freely offered to the God of Israel, whose dwelling is in Jerusalem. So Ezra had a real witness with King Artaxerxes. So we find here that they get all this material together and then Ezra sends out the decree and then the preparation is made for them to leave. Then I'm going to drop down all the way to verse 26 and it reads, Whoever will not observe the law of your God and the law of the king, let judgment be executed speedily on him whether it be death or banishment or confiscation of goods or imprisonment. So this was the law in reference to them after they arrived in the land. The fact that they are going, they must mean business as far as their relationship to God is concerned. Verse 27 goes on to read, Blessed be the Lord God of our fathers who has put such a thing as his as this in the king's heart to beautify the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem. Okay, so this is the thanksgiving of Ezra. The house of the Lord was not only built, but it was to be beautified. So God's house should be made beautiful, actually, according to the ability of the people who identify with him. Verse 28 goes on to read and has extended mercy to me before the king and his counselors and before all the king's mighty princes. 
So a lot of the leaders returned back to the land. And we have a list of those who returned. And many of them are the Levites. And, um, and um, the servants. And um, yeah, the people who are coming from humble backgrounds, they're the ones who actually returned. So now we get to chapter 8. And chapter 8, we're going to drop down all the way through to um, chapter 22. And chapter 22 reads, For I was ashamed to request for the king an escort of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy on the road because we had spoken to the king saying the hand of our god is upon all those who go, who all those for god who seek him but his power and his wrath are against all those who forsake him so here we actually see here how you know the human side just how human Ezra was so he calls for a great prayer meeting and a fast so if we just drop back to verse 21 it reads then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. So he goes to God in prayer. He calls for a prayer meeting and a fast. And he did this because of the following in verse 22 and verse 23. Let me just read verse 22 again and verse 23. For I was ashamed to request of the king an escort of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemies on the road because we had spoken to the king saying the hand of God is upon all those for good who seek him but his power and his wrath are against all those who forsake him verse 23 for we fasted and entreated our God for this and he answered our prayer so Ezra says he went before the king and told him God's hand is with them and he will be against their enemies and will lead them safely. And after the king granted all this permission to go up, he gets to go up um, and, you know, he gets up. This will be to go up and, you know, to get up. And, you know, there will be his delegation. Um, sorry, there with his delegation rather than that they will be there with um, Ezra's delegation um, at the river of Ahava. And, you know, they are ready to go on this long, odious march. So there are families and little ones. And he knows that there's dangers along the way so the normal thing is to actually go to the king and ask for some protection, some reinforcement and protection but 
then the king would actually tell him that he would he had actually said he trusted God to protect them. So we actually do this most times. We come up so eloquently of how we are actually trusting God and when we get down to the nitty gritty, we don't really trust him. You know, we get down to the part where um we're having problems and you know, there's a lot of fear and you know, all those things. We just don't really trust him. So Ezra is this kind of a person. He's human. So he called a prayer meeting and a fast and departed depended rather on God. So God actually puts us in this in positions like this many times so that we can just totally and fully depend on him. God will never leave us nor forsake us. So we see here that the king did send up a lot of gold and silver and a lot of vessels and they were put in the hands of 12 priests and he needed and Ezra needed protection. God did watch over them. And um, dropping down to verse 31, and I'll read a little to verse 32, it says, Then we departed from the river of Ahavar on the twelfth day of the first month to go to Jerusalem, and the hand of our God was upon us, and he delivered us from the hand of the enemy and from ambush along the road. Verse 32 goes on to read, So we came to Jerusalem and stayed there three days. Verse 33, Now on the fourth day, the silver and gold and the articles weighed in the house of our God by the hand of Merimoth, the son of Uriah the priest, and with him was Elizer, the son of Phineas, with them were the Levites, Josaban, the son of Jeshua, and Noadiah, the son of Benu. Yeah. Okay, verse 35 goes into read. Uh, the children of those who had been carried away captive, who had come from the captivity offered burnt offerings to the God of Israel, 12 bulls for all Israel. So here, for all Israel means all 12 tribes. 96 rams, 70 lambs, and 12 male goats as a sin offering. All this was a burnt offering to the Lord. So 12 male, male goats for all 12 tribes. Okay. <clears throat> So this is our teaching for today, an amazing teaching, looking at the faith and um, belief of Ezra. He was putting all his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, and um, we should always put our faith in him and trust him. And he will always be there for us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you all for listening in. God bless you all and have a pleasant day. Bye.